0: Dear Father God, we just thank you for uh, being an amazing God, that you bless us so richly, that you are provider of all things. We know when we come to you that you are faithful to us, that you answer our prayers. Lord, we thank you for what we've been learning through uh, the start of 1 Corinthians, this letter that we've been working through. We thank you that you are trustworthy. There's so many other things can creep in our mind, our doubts, or uh, even bright lights of the world just trying to persuade us to, uh, to turn away from you but Lord we know that you are the truth that as unglamorous as it is to see our Lord Savior dying on a cross and that is who we worship Lord we know that that is the message of salvation that it's only Jesus on the cross that gives us life so Lord we thank you that we can have that trust in you that unity in you that life in you Lord, we pray for, yeah, what we've been talking about, uh, how our church is going on the financial side of things, and we just pray that we might be known as a generous people, people who want to not only um, see this church exist, but more than exist, that we want to impact our community around us. Lord, we work and pray that you would help us to reach 1% of our community. That's 1,000 people to be disciples of Jesus. Lord, please use us in that task. But it's more than a prayer, Lord. We want to be active in that as well. Lord, we pray for our youth who are away this weekend. We pray for them and the leaders, Lord, that that might be a great spiritual experience as well. That time away from the busy life to engage with you, to engage with your word as they look through the book of uh, Colossians. Uh, Lord, that that might be some real enlightening moments there about who they are when they trust in you. So we pray for Rosie and the leaders for safety, for good times, for good friendships. But also, Lord, that your spirit would be moving and drawing those those young adults towards you. So, Lord, we, we know we can't do things in our own strength, our own power. So we do commit them to you in your strength and your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, we are working through the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, we're up to chapter 2, reading from verse 6. And it's on the screen behind me if you haven't got a Bible. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that, no, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught, taught, by, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are, dis- they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with a Spirit makes judgment about all things, but that such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so far as to s- instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Ross. If you've got your Bibles there... have them open. Um, It will be on the screen behind me as well, but it's good to look at it as well. We're going to pray now again. Um, If you've kind of felt this sense that we've been praying a lot in this uh, service this morning, it's because we have, and it's because we're desperate for God to work among us, and we're relying on His strength. So we're going to do that again before we open up His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the privilege that we have to gather together this morning, that we can be here, that we can hear Your Word. We pray, Lord, that You would do a work among us that you would speak that you would change that you would transform and father that there would be this sense that what happens in this moment would radically make a difference for the rest of our lives we pray for your help in this in jesus name amen so in the last two weeks uh, i've received a couple of text messages letting me know that i've come across a lot of money uh, you might uh, not have got these text messages. I was quite surprised when I got them. But the first one was this one on the screen. You can see it there. It's from a good friend of mine. If you can read it, from ATO is the good friend of mine, first name from, which is a weird first name, but you know, there are weirder names out there. Uh, and it was letting me know that, that you know, I had come across $33,000. Imagine getting that message. I mean, I was stoked by that. I did forget about it uh, until I got this next message, which was a couple of weeks later. This time, the number was unknown, uh, but it was from MyGov letting me know that I was in uh, $25,000, and that was coming my way. All I've got to do is click these links to get this money. Now, you know, this is outrageous. It's incredible, and I want to uh, just let you know, first and foremost, to let... to. To let you breathe, I didn't click the links, okay? Just just to let you know. Uh, This is a scam. If you didn't know this was a scam, pretty much the rule of thumb is don't click links. If anyone sends you a message, don't click stuff. That's pretty much the rule. Or if you're unsure, Google it first, and then you might get a sense whether it is a scam or not. I didn't click these links, but there was something about these messages different from the scams that I'd received beforehand. And the difference was this time, the audacity of them made me question. How could anyone believe these things? Right, uh, 55000 more than $55,000, $58,000 from the government in the current climate. My, the question on my heart was how could anyone, why would anyone believe these messages? Now, don't get me wrong. I know we've all been there, right? We've all clicked things perhaps we shouldn't have. Maybe the, you know, it did sound too good to true. Maybe the Prince of Nigeria did sound like they were in trouble and they needed us. We've all done that. But these text messages in this climate made me ask this question, why would anyone believe it? And I feel like I'm asking that question a lot lately, whether it's scam text messages or news stories. You know, a hot air balloon traveling from one continent to the next, a a big metal sphere appearing on the Japanese beaches. The question's being asked of me all the time, why would anyone believe this stuff? But the thing that I'm challenged by is the reality that as we gather together as a church, our culture is asking that. Of us, Right? Like, lots of people ask this question of Christianity and of the church. They think what we're doing this morning, people look in and they think the question, why would anyone believe this? You know, we've just sung about the living God who died on a cross. Why would anyone believe that truth? You know, that question is an important one to figure out way more important than scam text messages or news stories. And so it's one that we've got to spend some time thinking about, which is good because this passage this morning, we find ourselves in this place where Paul wants to remind the church why they believe what they believe. And as we pick it up from chapter 2, verse 6, we see it begins with the very fact that this is the message from God. See if you can see that as we pick it up in verse 6. It says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So why would anyone believe that the living God died on a cross. Well, what Paul wants to tell us this morning is is because this is the message from God. This is God speaking. This is what God wants you to know. And we'll see in a moment that it's both timeless and good. But to help us feel the weight of what he's saying here, he compares it to the alternative. Okay, did you notice that up front in verse six? He says, "This is the message from God. We speak the wisdom of God." But then he says, "But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age." who are coming to nothing. Okay, so what he starts here is he wants us to see the magnitude of the fact that this is from God by showing us the other thing, the other way, the other alternative. You know those moments in life where you don't realize how good something is until you see how bad the alternative is? We've all had that experience with different things. Well, that's kind of what he's doing here, where he starts by speaking about what's from God and what's from this world. So let's think about what he says in verse 6, the wisdom of this age, the message that our world is telling us. Now, it's a curious thing as we think about the message of this age, because, you know, if you think about what the world is telling us right now about all sorts of things, there's this kind of thing that happens. So on the one hand, you feel like it must be true. You know, on the one hand, you feel like what the world is telling us because of the noise that the world is telling us, you think, well, th- this must be true, whether it's things that have to do with sexuality or ethics or morality or my rights, the noise is so loud that you think they must be true and, and anyone who believes anything else must be a fool. There's a sense that we feel that, right? On, on the one hand, you get that, but on the other hand, we are also aware that the wisdom of this age does actually come to nothing. I think we genuinely do know that. We live in this world where on the one hand it sounds like it's everything, but on the other we know that it's fading. So so to to see this, we just have to think about it for a moment. Because if you think about what happened 20, 50 years ago, you begin to notice that what the world thought 50 years ago has come to nothing. Let me give you an example of this from the 1970s. If if you've seen this on YouTube, the ABC have archive videos of interviews that they did in the 1970s. And I I absolutely love these videos if you've seen them. They dress differently. They're in Australia. They dress differently. They speak differently. It makes me wonder where our accent's gone. But you're watching it. And and what's, what's the most... Enjoyable thing about watching these videos is not what they're wearing or how they're speaking, but the wisdom of the age Okay, so the question of this video from the 1970s was this Can women go to the pub? That's the question 1970s, okay the wisdom of this age So here's this woman interviewer who goes and interviews some guys at the pub and I cannot wrap my head around their answers so the first guy she says can women go to the pub the first guy says no and then cracks onto her." That's his response. The second guy, and as much as I've thought about this and watched this video, I still can't, I still can't get it. He said, no, because where am I going to go to swear? What? Like, What do you mean, where are you going to go to swear? Anywhere. I don't know, if that's what you want to do, do it anyway. But then the third guy said, this is his reaction, which captured kind of the, the other men in the room. He said, well, well, if women come to the pub, where am I going to go after work so I can wind down before I see my wife and kids? Maybe to your wife and kids. <laughs> Maybe that's where you should go after work. But that was normal in the 1970s. You know, the, there was no one reacting. Even the woman interviewer wasn't reacting like this was crazy talk this is what Australians in this pocket of the world genuinely thought. And now, 50 years later, we look back at that, and it looks like the most insane thing ever. Now, what does it show us? It shows us what I think deep down we all know. The wisdom of this age comes to nothing. It comes to nothing. You see, what our world says right now, it might feel like it's the most true, the only right thing, but the reality is the only thing we can bank on is in 50 years' time, people will be looking back at us as a culture and laughing at how insane our ideas are. That's the only thing we can be sure of today. It feels true, but I guarantee in 50 years' time we'll be looking back on this. And and Paul says why. He says that's because the wisdom of the age and the rulers of the age are coming to nothing. So you can listen to the wisdom of the age. You can put your flag in the, the wisdom of the age, the cultural views of the time. You can say that this is what I believe. But if you're going to do that, you've got to be prepared to pivot and change for the rest of your life. That's, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to pivot and change and move until eventually you're going to be old and you'll be an elderly person, God willing. You'll get to that point and you'll say the things my grandma used to say, can you believe the things the kids are believing these days? That's what's going to happen if you're believing the things of this world the wisdom of this age so so this is what paul does he compares it he says this is what the wisdom of the age does it's coming to nothing so what's the alternative well he says, let's think about what God has said. The wisdom from God. And you get a sense here of why the wisdom from God is good. And in verse 7, he says, this is a mystery that's been hidden before, uh, that's been hidden that God destined for our glory before time began. Do you see that what, what he's saying? Like, it's an eternal thing. And then he speaks about the goodness of it in verse 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, the things that God prepared for those who, who loved him? The wisdom of the age is coming to nothing, but he says, Here is a message from God which is timeless, which is good, which will stand the test of time, and it's beautiful. And what are we speaking about here? What's at the heart of the message from God, the wisdom from God? Well, if you were here last week, we know what it is it's Christ and him crucified. That's the wisdom from God, that's the message of God, that's what God wants us to know. And the reason for that is Christ and him crucified makes everything else make sense. You know, it helps us understand our identity. Helps us understand how we live with a purpose. It helps us understand, as we talked about before, what we do with our finances. The wisdom of God helps us navigate life because we see Christ and Him crucified and we get this historical declaration that I'm known and loved. Christ and Him crucified is the message that there's nothing stopping you from a relationship with God. Christ and Him crucified is everything because it's the the declaration from the living God that He loves you and He cares for you and there's a hope with Him forever. And Paul says, this is the message from God, the wisdom from God that will not fade or pass, that's timeless and good. You see... If you, if you want the wisdom of the age, in 50 years it'll be nothing. But in 50 years, 500 years, 5,000 years, people will still be gathering, celebrating Christ and Him crucified. So why does anyone believe this? Well, it's because this is what God wants us to know. This is what the living God wants you to know. He wants you to know Christ and Him crucified. Which then raises another question. And the next question is not why, but how do people believe this? And not the mechanics of it, but think about it. How is it that people come to the point and celebrate Christ and Him crucified? Paul said last week, it's foolishness to some. It's a stumbling block to others. And it's worth thinking about this for a moment because what we're talking about here, if you've never heard this, if this is your first Sunday to church and you know nothing about Christianity, there is a reality that the concept of the living God coming into the world and dying on a cross is the craziest thing you've ever heard, right? Like if we grew up in a Christian home or if we've you know, been a Christian for a little while now, we've, we've grown used to it, but the reality is that is a wild thing. You know, God putting on flesh, dying on a cross, that, that's kind of a little bit crazy. In fact, that makes a few text messages from the government seem like child's play. This is, on like the, this is on the level of aliens delivering Uber Eats for morning tea. You know, like, we don't think that it is, but, but it is. God dying on a cross? How could anyone believe that? How does anyone get to the point in their life where they go, yep, this is what I'm living for? Well, this is what Paul, this is where he goes. You see, he starts with why people believe, but then he moves to how people believe, and what we're about to see is it's because God has worked. It's because the Spirit has revealed this and God's worked in great power. So let's have a look at this from verse 10. He says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who has known a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God freely gives us." But we have the mind of Christ. How does anyone come to believe in Christ and Him crucified? Well, Paul says it, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. That's how God reveals it. Look at verse 10 again. God reveals that truth to them. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, no one will ever believe in Christ and Him crucified. That's the reality of this passage. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't. It will always be foolishness. It will always look like the most insane thing ever. But with the Holy Spirit, God, who reveals this truth to God's people in great power, that's how people will come to believe this. Now, how does this play out? What does this look like? Well, we've got to understand the work of the Holy Spirit. And to, to understand the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is kind of like the wind. Okay, so in the Bible you see this where the Holy Spirit um, works like the wind. So you don't see the wind, but you see the power of the wind. When you look at the trees, you see the trees move. And so to understand the work of the Holy Spirit, essentially the proof is in the pudding. You've got to look at what has happened. And so here in, in the current context for Paul writing to the Corinthian church, when he says this reality, what he's doing here is he's pointing to the church in Corinth. And he's saying, we have the mind of Christ. And so what's he doing in this moment? Well, he's actually saying to them, you guys are testimony of the Spirit's work. Okay, so you think about what Paul has done in Corinth. Again, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you've seen this. But Paul, when he went to Corinth, he didn't speak with eloquence. We saw that. Not with great wisdom. He wasn't this, the charismatic guy that everyone wanted to follow. Paul said, I came and I spoke simple language about Christ and Him crucified. And, and what happened? The church was born. In a world where you would want the most charismatic leaders and you'd follow the most charismatic leaders in the ancient world in Corinth, Paul didn't speak like that, and yet, yet there was a gathering. The church in Corinth were born. Now, you might think, well, just because there's a gathering isn't proof of the Spirit's work. You know, we see lots of people gathering right around the world today. We see lots of... that, that always happens. But, but I guess we've got to think about the context here. So the context in Corinth, you couldn't just go to church, right? Like, in fact, in the ancient world, if you were following Jesus, you were signing up in in many ways for persecution. Corinth was a place that was all about wisdom. You were signing up to be ridiculed and mocked. You might have been signing up to lose your family and your friends. You, You might have been signing up to lose your social support in the community if that's what you needed. You might have even been signing up to die. That's the context. And yet Paul rocks up and he says in simple language, Jesus Christ died. Come and follow him and you too might die. And what happens? The church is born. People start gathering together. Like that's a miracle, right? The very fact that the church in Corinth exists in the ancient world is a sign of God's power. And they're they're born, they're gathered because of the work of the Holy Spirit. God worked among them to help them see Christ and Him crucified. So so Corinth are a testimony of God's power. But it's not just Corinth. I mean, we've got to think about this in our current day. I mean, even here at Southside, we are a testimony of God's power. You know, we saw this last week as we were celebrating the baptism uh, of Justin last week. It was an awesome moment for our church. We love baptisms because we love to celebrate God's power. But... God's power is consistently on display when we gather together. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but the reality that you're here this morning is a testimony of God's power. You know, like the fact that we gather on a Sunday morning, that that I'm here and I can sing about Christ and Him crucified and that's not the craziest thing ever, that's testimony of God's power. That's literally the Holy Spirit who's done that work in, in me. I haven't done that. You haven't done that. And yet here we are on a Sunday morning and it's not just you, it's everyone else as well. You know, I don't think we think about this as as much as we should, but we could be anywhere else. You know, like you could be anywhere else. You, You knew that this morning and yet we decided this morning that we would come to church and celebrate Christ and Him crucified. That is a testimony to the power of the Spirit at work among us. We didn't do that ourselves. God worked that truth in us so that when we think about the living God dying on a cross, we think that's the best thing ever. We should be encouraged by that and excited by that. So you see, it happened in Corinth. It happened in in our church. But I want to tell you about somewhere else that it's happening right around the world today. Now, you might have seen this in the last few weeks, but there's a story of uh, God's power at work in a little country town in America called Asbury. If you haven't heard about it, uh, Asprey is a university. Here's a picture of what's happened there. But uh, Asprey had a university there, and uh, they had a mandatory chapel service three times a week. Okay, so that's the, the pattern of this church. Now, you know, again, just thinking about a university in Australia having mandatory chapel services, that, it's just a different context, isn't it? Like, America's a little bit different context. But what I know about young adults is mandatory chapel services don't always... They're not always good. Uh, if you've ever had to drag a young adult anywhere, or been that young adult dragged anywhere, you're not always happy about that. But here they were, this mandatory chapel service, and on, on February the 8th, so a few weeks ago, uh, they had one of these services, and a guy got up there and preached a, a sermon, and then, uh, and then he left, and then after the service, a handful of these young adults stayed behind to pray after the service. And then they kept praying. And they prayed all night. And then the next day, when people came to university, they had this sense that God was inviting them back to this chapel service. And so they started asking if they could skip lectures, and they went back to the chapel service. And then from this moment, on February the 8th, they haven't stopped. They're still going. All day all night, still gathering, still praying, still having these services together. What is that? You know, like, think about it. Young adults with the wisdom of the age, the temptation of money and sex, the allure of the cultural kind of arguments about life sexuality morality ethics rights all of that sort of stuff the pressures on that young adults face add to that the pain of the church abuse and hypocrisy you throw all that together and you think there's no way this could happen this looks crazy this looks foolishness so what's happening why is it that they're gathering together it's the power of God. This is what Paul's speaking about. This is what he's saying. He's saying when the Spirit moves, when the Spirit works in great power, this is how people come to believe in Christ and Him crucified. And the beauty of this fact is it's happening. Like, it's happening. It's happening. Right now, it's happening. It's happened in Corinth. It happened in our church. It's happening in Asprey. And it's just this beautiful reality for us this morning that we, we think about this question. How could anyone believe in Christ and Him crucified? You know what? It's the power of God. It's the Spirit of God. That's how people believe. So why would anyone believe? It's because this is from God. How do people believe? It's because it's the power of God. Now, one more thing I want to say about Asprey while we're here. In 1970, God moved in this church, and I saw this picture this week of this as well. You know, when we think about the wisdom of this age in 1970, it looks crazy, foolishness. But here in Asprey, they're just doing the same thing. I'm telling you, we will be doing the same thing in 50 years' time, 500 years' time, celebrating Christ and Him crucified, when the Spirit of God works among people. So there it is. Why do people believe? How do people believe? Now the last question is, what do we do if we believe? What does it mean for us if we believe in Christ and Him crucified? Well, there are some implications of this truth. Uh, One of the big implications in this passage, and right throughout uh, 1 Corinthians we're going to see, is is the challenge of who are you going to listen to? That's one of the big implications. We're going we're to address some of the issues that we've talked in passing about this morning because there's a question, will you listen to the wisdom of the age or listen to Christ and Him crucified? There's a big question over that because you're going to be tempted your whole life to listen to the wisdom of the age. So who are you going to listen to? There's, there's a big implication there for us this morning. But there's another big implication for us as we think about this passage, another big implication on our life. And the implication is when we see that this is from God and when we see the power of God, the implication is that we overflow in our lives with this truth. I'd love to read to your passage a verse from the previous letter in Romans chapter 15 when he says this in chapter 15 verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse captures what this passage should do for us. That we are filled with joy and peace, so then it oozes out of us and overflows so that wherever we go, we are overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we think about these things, you know, there is a reality that the fact that this is the message of God, it should fill us with hope and joy and peace. You know, like the truth that we believe in the Bible, it's not just, it's not this man-made thing, right? It, this is what the living God wants people to know. And we've got we've to remember this truth and hold on to this truth because we live in a world that tries to tell us we're foolish and that Christ and Him crucified, that that's the truth that's going to fade into nothing. We live in a world that wants us to compromise, that wants us to to change the word so it's more acceptable. But when we believe deep in our bones, no, this is the message from God, this fills us with joy and peace. It fills me with joy and peace that I can go confidently into my world remembering this is what God says. So we're filled firstly by remembering the message from God, but then we're filled with joy and peace as we think about the power of God, right? So when you think about it, again, we can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. If you think about our impact in our community, we can't do anything without the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't change anyone's heart. You can't change anyone. That's, that's the reality. In and of ourselves, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how good you are at answering things. It doesn't matter. You can't change anyone's heart. Because you can be having the best conversation with someone as soon as you get to Christ and Him crucified, you are a fool. That looks foolishness. We can't change anyone without the Holy Spirit. And it, it can feel at times crushing when you're, when you're told you can't do anything. But the reality in the Bible is you're not asked to do anything by yourself. That's the the encouragement. Do you see what he says? Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I love about this truth is it gives us this deep encouragement that it's actually not about me nailing everything. You know, every conversation, having eloquence and wisdom in all things, being able to invite at just the right time and having all the perfect ends. It doesn't matter on all of that. Of course, we want to grow in all of those things. We, we do, but it doesn't matter on all that. What it matters on is the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a deep encouragement here. Because I know when we think about us overflowing with hope, sometimes it feels like I'm not very good at it. Do you ever feel that? Sometimes it feels like, man, I just, I stumble through my words. I, when I invite, I'm not very good at it. I miss my opportunities I do it by text. You know, I invite or try and have those conversations and I'm just not very good at it. And sometimes it feels crushing. But you know what? There's a deep encouragement here knowing that the Holy Spirit is at work. And I'd love to tell you one more time about something that happened in Asprey. So it kicked off 8th of February with a sermon. And the guy, you can watch the sermon online if you want. You can go and watch it. And when you do watch it, if you want to, you'll see that it's just a run-of-the-mill sermon. That's not me saying that. That's him saying that. The guy that preached, when he finished preaching, he got down off stage. He sent his wife this text message I preached another shocker today. And then he went home. And then what happened? The power of God. That's what happened. He didn't preach with eloquence or wisdom. By his own words, he preached terribly. And yet God worked. How good is that? Because how many times do we feel like we don't have the answers, we don't have the eloquence, we don't have the ability, we don't have it, we're not very good at this. I know that feeling, I have that feeling, I live with that feeling. Yet what this passage tells us and God's movements of the Spirit as we look around the world and see that tell us is that actually it's not about us, it's about God being at work through us. All we've got to do is just take the step. So let's, let's think about this here at Southside. Let's think about this for us. Because we often talk about this idea of overflowing with hope, and then we talk about the Alpha Course. Ross mentioned it before, and we've talked about it a bit. Justin, last week when he was talking about his baptism, talked about how the Alpha Course helped him in that. We talk about the Alpha Course being the moment in church where people can ask their questions and explore faith for the first time. But I know that when it comes to this, I know the feeling. You feel like, Either you've invited people who have said no, and that's hard to know what to do with that, or you feel like certain relationships aren't up to the point where you can't invite them, or you just don't know what to say. Some of us also, we feel like we don't have anyone. We don't know what to do with this. I understand these feelings. It's hard to live with this. But the deep encouragement today is God works through people like us. You don't have to nail it. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be awesome at everything. If God shows up in great power, there is no stopping what God's going to do. If you're not encouraged by this, if we're not encouraged by this as we step into our worlds, what will encourage us? God invites us to participate. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together as we finish this service. We're going to ha- spend some time praying. And what I'm going to ask is if you've got an Alpha Flyer around you, I'm going to ask that you would grab onto that. And you'd hold that. The reason is sometimes having something in front of us is, is helpful, okay? So if you've got one that are in your service sheets, grab onto it. We're going to spend a moment in a second to pray, Alpha starts on Tuesday night, and we're going to pray inwardly. If you've never prayed before, no one hears your prayers when you pray inwardly except God. And if you don't believe in Jesus, thanks for being here, and we're going to invite you to ask God to show himself to you. you, you but that's in your own head. We're going, to, we're going to pray, though. The rest of us are going to pray. And what I want you to think about as you, as you look at this card, if you've got one in front of it, I want you to think about the people that you want to invite. Or maybe the people you have invited and they haven't got back to you. I want you to think about the conversations you need to have. Maybe there's opportunities you need to create so that you can have those conversations or text messages or phone calls you're going to make. And then in a moment, we're going to have a minute silence and we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and pray for those people. And then I'm going to invite you, when you get about halfway through that and you pray for those people and you pray for boldness and you pray for courage, but more than that, you pray for the work of the Spirit, then I want to ask that you would pray for this course on Tuesday night. Because we can do nothing if the Spirit doesn't show up. But if the Spirit shows up, we are excited by what might happen. Okay, so have you got your card? If you don't, just bow your heads and we're gonna, I'm going to give you a minute to be praying for the people in your life and praying for the Alpha Course. Heavenly Father, as we come before you now, we pray that you would work in great power in us and through us. Father, you know the burdens on our hearts, you know the people in our lives, you know the prayers that we've just lifted up to you. We pray that you would work in the conversations we've got to have, in the text messages we've got to send, in the relationships that we're growing. Father, it's the deepest encouragement to us to know that it's not not about us nailing this. And so we depend and rely on the work of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would move among us afresh in great power, we pray that we would see people coming to faith that we thought they'd never come to faith. They've, maybe they've even said the cross is foolishness. We pray, Lord, that you would do that. We've seen you do that. And we pray that you would do it again. God, we pray too for our hearts, that we would so be filled with joy and peace about Christ and Him crucified that the, the greatest joy, the greatest happiness, the thing that we find most beautiful in all of life is Jesus. And we pray the impact of that would be that it overflows around us in hope by the work of the Spirit. So help us, God, we pray in all these things. We depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen.